was on a plane sitting at O'Hare that wasn't moving. Joe was that night and it was like my I was supposed to land in Newark at like 1.30 and I'm in Chicago and it's 1.30 Eastern, 2.30 Eastern, 3.30 Eastern, 4.30. And I go up to the flight attendant. I'm like, if this plane doesn't take off in two minutes, there will be no purpose for my trip. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Set Blessing Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and tonight is the second part of my epic conversation <laughs> with my new friend, uh, Mara. Maria, uh, Maria, <laughs> Maria Morris, right? I can't speak it. Uh, Miss Morris. Uh, yeah. We had her on um, just two days ago as we're recording this. Uh, it's longer than that, but I'm going to edit these together and you're going to be, you're going to have, uh, you know, Morris week. I'm going to have one part episode on Tuesday oh. and second episode on Thursday. Nice. So you get your whole week, but Hey, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Um, so uh, I'm trying to think where we left off. I know that we talked over an hour and I had another podcast. Like I was like, I'm so sorry. I've got to go. I've got someone else I going. To talk about Marvel comics now or whatever topic you had next. Right. Yeah, uh, exactly. I did. I did. It was, it was so funny. Um, so anyway, um, I take it. You're, are you still doing well? I am. We are, um, we're COVID light in our house now. We, mm -hmm. in one case, we dodged a bullet. We have some old people here. Everybody's. And we have a guest mm -hmm. behind us, I see. Oh, we do. We have Missy Jane. Okay. Hi, Missy Jane. She's got three legs. She's a okay. Siamese. Okay. She, I, I got her on the day of Obama's second election, November 6th, 2012. Nice. The day after that picture I sent you of. Bruce mm -hmm. and uh, Obama hugging on stage in Madison. Yeah. I took so a moment. let's talk about that. Talk about that show. Talk about that event. Um, well, it was another one of these things where I find myself in proximity to Bruce through circumstances um, beyond my ability to get there on my own. Okay. My friend who... Um, there's connections in every aspect of the word. Um, so we have to go to Madison. Bruce is going to play with Obama the night before, the day before the election. So we went. Um, I didn't, my family lives there. Um, I didn't tell them I was there because I was on a mission. And um, we went to the check-in at the VIP table. And then we get escorted. We're, it's one of these things where we're walking and we're walking and we're walking and we're getting closer and closer and closer to the stage. We're walking through this massive crowd. And then we're shown the area where we're to sit. And it's like three rows of six chairs and then a metal barricade. And then the um, maybe 10 feet and then a stage. 
Now, this will work. Who had the VIP connection? Um, it's a friend of mine, Emily, and she's a comedy producer. Okay. And um, she, uh, one of her friends was uh, working for the campaign. Okay. At the time, and it wasn't even a Bruce connection, which made it that much funnier to me because it's like she's the one who got us backstage at um, Conan O'Brien's show yes. through, a, through a comedy connection. You never get there through Bruce connections. It's always just through like these side doors. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so we were there, and we I met Russ Feingold and Tammy Baldwin, and those are two, one former, one current senator of Wisconsin, which is my basically my home state. So that was very exciting to be there. Um, and then uh, Bruce opened and uh, he's seeing Promised Land and Land of Hope and Dreams, I think, and maybe one other one. And uh, we waved to him and he waved back and it was like, he did a double take because it's like, God damn it, you people are everywhere. You know, <laughs> at, least, at least that's how I read the look on his face. Right. Um, and John Lando and Barbara Carr were there off to the side and Patty was there. Um, so it was just like this little mini show. And um, it's funny to be in an audience where Bruce is playing, but it's not all Bruce fans. Like there's a lot of appreciative, appreciative kind of applause, yeah. not a lot of fist pumping, not a lot of singing along. Um, but I don't know. I just felt great to be with um, in that moment where it was extremely important to me um, that Obama was reelected and Bruce you know, my spirit guide mm-hmm. there alongside. And then Obama came over and um, shook everybody's hands. And that was cool too. Bruce, on the other hand, just left the stage after that nice hug. Well, he, so. um, he, he isn't looking for votes. I guess no. it, 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 President Obama was maybe that was why. That's true. Yeah, uh-huh. he, just, he wasn't doing any glad handing. Mm. So, um, I heard him on, I don't know if it was an, an interview I read or heard just recently about, um, yeah, well, I think I've, you know, I've thrown in my piece on past elections yes. and, uh, and I'm kind of, you know, done with that. Mm-hmm. Um, after we, we saw the vote for change tour too, and, and had a wonderful time like racing around the upper Midwest doing those shows. And, uh, afterwards he said something like, uh, the vote for change, uh, like we voted, nothing changed, uh, something like that. Um, that was in 2004 when we thought we had problems. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was just another. Um, it was just another thing where it was fun to have what I call the harmonic convergence of of Bruce and Obama in the same space. Yeah, and the whole people between us were the cameramen and the Secret Service people. And we actually hang, hung out with the Secret Service people the night before in the hotel. And I asked them, like, how many of you are here with him? And he's like, well, I'm not supposed to say, but like on, on this floor of the hotel alone, there's 16 of us, which ever since then, I've kept that in mind when I think of what it, what it costs, the level of effort to protect the president. Mm-hmm. You know, there were 16 people on one floor of a hotel for this one campaign stop. And I think of those, those Trump children. Yeah. We, anyway. uh, the, when I was younger, when my son was younger, his pediatrician uh, was married to someone who had been in the secret service. Mm. And he um, told a few funny stories like, 
you know, if, and this was, I'm trying to think, um, oh, it was during the Clinton time mm -hmm. um, that um, Chelsea was at the Olympics. So it must have been Atlanta. I'm trying to put the time together. But he, yeah, so he would have been president. And they were talking about Chelsea was attending Olympics. But her father and mother weren't there. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering if if you're a teenager, like, does the Secret Service kind of babysit, right? Like, yeah. because, you know, you, you obviously – if if they're old enough to be self-sufficient like they can order their own food and stuff it's not like they're going to be in danger right so i mean i guess you couldn't have a seven-year-old you couldn't have the secret service take care of a seven-year-old but i guess a teenager it was so i always thought that was fascinating well malia was at um at Lollapalooza in chicago mm -hmm. when she was maybe 18 i'd say yeah on her own mm -hmm. um taking pictures with people and there had to have been, you know, three or four people oh, yeah. in her midst then. And then yep. there was the Bush girls, the twins. Yes. Um, and they um, uh, they turned out to be quite lovely people. But I remember one of them got busted with a fake ID. Well, yeah. That was, I, is that true? We talk about that. Because, you see often? Yeah, because, you, know, you know, we're in Dallas. And um, I always thought that was unfair because – you know, was it a cry what, for help? Yeah, or well, yeah, well, no, the idea that cry for margarita, um, maybe yeah, that the idea that they're doing stuff that um, a lot of college students try to do, and then it's blasted on nationwide because you're the first daughters, right? Um, With great power comes great responsibility. There you go. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, so, um, I also think you just made this comment about 2004, right? Um, my my wife was very, very um, critical of, of President Bush. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and she now, partly because he's moved back to Dallas and you hear a lot of things about mm -hmm. all the good he's done with painting, you know, he started painting and he's yeah. does this wounded warriors and, you know, and he's, he's, he's always, this, he's done so much money to help people. And he seems to be such a, he seems to be, he is competing for Jimmy Carter for best ex president, I think, you yeah. know, um, but she often says, and I know other people too, like, you, you know, we wish we had a Bush administration, right? Like yeah. we thought that was bad and like, no, 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 no. I know. Yeah. You remember, you remember um, after Trump's, at Trump's inaugural, apparently he, after the speech, which was, I didn't listen to it, which was just horribly yeah. dark. He stood up and turned around and said to Hillary Clinton, that was some crazy shit or that was some yes yes I mean, supposedly that is what he said yes it is um and you see him like when he the oh, that was some weird oh, shit yes where he had to um you know how um michelle obama and him are hugging and they seem to have this this connection that mm -hmm. it seems to be so um so that's an interesting show talk to me about a couple of the other shows you've gone to that you've that you you know um 
that you've seen experience in i know one of the things we didn't get to talk about last time is you chasing songs and 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 going on you know trips and in you know in your mind talk a little bit about that well um you know the reunion tour took care of a lot of my needs okay. but there were always some that were hanging out there uh-huh. unplayed for whatever reason and um in uh okay so the reunion tour ended in july 1st 2000 and then in december he did those holiday shows in asbury park and this was obviously before um ticketmaster figured out how to screw everything up um because we were able to get tickets um just like calling it ticketmaster and um right for a show in a 2200 seat convention hall space. Um, and I raced, I, I had to work or I had, was, I was somewhere. Anyway, I was on a plane sitting at O'Hare that wasn't moving. Okay. And the show was that night. And it was like my, I was supposed to land in Newark at like one thirty, and I'm in Chicago and it's one thirty Eastern, two thirty Eastern, three thirty Eastern, four thirty, And, I go up to the flight attendant. I'm like, if this plane doesn't take off in two minutes, there will be no purpose for my trip. Yeah. And he was like, I'm very sorry. Tell me about it. Uh, so we fly, we land at Newark. It's raining, like cold, icy rain. I take the tram, get the car, get on the Garden State. And I parked illegally outside and ran into Convention Hall and found my friends. It must have been 30, 60 seconds, and the lights went down and the show started. And it was the Max Weinberg Seven and Jimmy Vivino, who was like an amazing guitarist. These people, yeah. you know, like these guys who just work that aren't mega stars, amaze me whenever yeah. I get to see them. And um, like four or five songs in, a couple Christmas songs, East Street Shuffle, there's this long pause. And then Kitty's back. It was the first time he played it in 22 years, 23 years since, wow. since the Darkness tour. He hadn't played it the whole tour, but he had the whole horn section with the Max Weinberg 7. Right. And I, I mean, I, I'm, again, the flush of emotion just came over me because my knees got weak. I couldn't believe, like, I thought that moment that I, and it, really resonated for quite some time it's like you are one lucky girl yeah (laughs) one lucky woman to have this you know to have people to to meet and to share this experience to be on the planet at the same time as this artist who means so much it was just a, a beautiful thing and on that on the bootleg of that show i played it over and over and sometimes i would just play the start when people heard the the notes because yeah. the you know the gasping and the the reaction uh-huh. um knowing that was one song that or one of the you know a handful of songs that didn't get played during the reunion tour um it was just just 
tremendous. And the song goes on for like 17 minutes sometimes. Sure. You know, that night, I think it, I forget what it was that night. But, um, you know, with the he doesn't have any reason to really stop <laughs> at a certain right. point because it's sort of like a jazz song where they just all train solos sure, and whatnot. Absolutely. Um, but it was just, it was just such a joy, such a, a, a wonderful experience to be right there. And then we ended up going, um, I stayed and friends came in um, from out here and met me there and we went to the next night and um, we went then the next year after that, three more holiday shows I think there were in 2001 and then 2003, there were like four. One of them was postponed because of a blizzard that we made it through. We were like the last flight in with these flakes the size of spam cans. Uh-huh. <laughs> we're driving sure. down there and he he comes out and the venue was like two-thirds full and he's like i don't know how you made it but i'm glad you're here <laughs> <laughs> but they had to, but they postponed the next night because of the amount of snow so i like had to call my office and say you know i'm, I'm just kind of stuck here indefinitely <laughs> i'm out here in jersey what are you gonna do that and is kind of funny one, the other one was the other moment, show moment and song moment was on the last show um, of the reunion tour in New York. I was there for the last five shows, six shows maybe. And um, that was one of them was that thing with the downbound train incident, as I call it. Yes. Um, where I, I willed him to go change guitar so he'd play that for my friend. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. Um, uh he the the I don't know what song came before it, um, but again, the, like the Madison Square Garden goes dark, and then there's this low hum and a blue light, and then Roy's piano, it's the opening notes of Lost in the Flood, uh-huh. another song that hadn't been played since the Darkness tour, and that was a different kind of sound, crowd sound, <laughs> than the Kitty's Back moment. That was like a I was at this the Bulls game when Michael Jordan came back out of retirement at the United Center, and I've never felt a building shake in that way. And this was sort of the same thing, but it was there was like a lot of breathing and weeping, and <laughs> oh my god, oh my god! Sure. So that was that was another just a transcendent moment with a song that's like, um. You know, just the level of talent and the songwriting that he has, I think you didn't need that song all these years, this whole tour. Mm-hmm. You waited till this moment. And I don't know if he, I don't know if he thinks about things like that. If he thinks I'm just going to, you know, knock them to the back wall and whoever gets up will enjoy the rest of the show. That's uh-huh. how I felt. It was like, I'm going to need a moment now. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. It was so wonderful. It was so wonderful. I was there by myself and I wasn't there by myself. I was sitting by myself in the first row behind the stage. And, um, and this is one of these things where I got a ticket from a person I'd never met in person who knew I needed one. And she was like a ticket master troller. Mm-hmm. And she called me at my office during the day and she's like, hi, this is her name. And um, I, I have a, I have a ticket master window open with a single seat in section 63 or something. Do you want it? I'm like, Yes, thank you. I look forward to meeting you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, just a sense of community 
that those events, those shows engendered and it which still maintains to this day. I talk to, you know, a couple dozen of my Bruce friends regularly and um, see them whenever I can. Uh, and it, it's moments like that, that we, we remember, you know, with having shared, I would really like to know what he, how he experienced that particular moment. So I have a question in, in 2016, during the, the first leg of the river tour, mm -hmm. there were a lot of stories breaking about, um, you know, a kid asking Bruce to sign his excuse because he's going to be late mm. for school. You know, a mm -hmm. um, couple times he had um, fans join him on stage and play a guitar, sing with them. And um, uh, just there were a lot of stories about him interacting with fans. Do you feel that was something new that happened to him over the past few years? Or is it just because of social media? He's always done a lot of things like that, but just now then we hear about it more. I think we probably just hear about it more. I've seen a couple of pictures of like, um, like his private stationery that says Bruce Springsteen on it where yeah. he's jotted off a note to somebody like, thank you so much for the book about the, um, like the Mahoning uh, steel mill. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't know it existed and I look forward to paging through it slowly. I saw yeah. a note like that. This is, you know, probably 20, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, and so I think he probably makes those little gestures, um, that kind of thing. The people on stage, it's interesting. The same friend of mine, Emily, um, she, she held up a sign in um, you know, December 17th, 2003 in Indianapolis, Mm -hmm. Yeah, in last the last show of that leg of that tour, and it said, "I'm Courtney Cox with an arrow <laughs> towards her head." And I'd never actually had met her. I'd I'd sold her a ticket three months earlier, but yeah. I didn't know it was the same person. And um, and Steve saw the sign. This is during Dancing in the Dark, my least my in my bottom five songs of all time. Okay. And, um, and Steve saw the sign, cracked up, and then Emily ends up on stage dancing. And she was the first person to do that in the modern era. Ah, interesting. And then, that, and then that became her shtick. She got up on stage when she dressed up like John Landau and pretended to be John Landau. She did it when she she pretended to be Kevin Buell. Um, because she's a comedian. This is her thing. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so and then ever since she did that in 2003 every single dancing in the dark he brings a woman Someone up back on stage yes. yeah and so um some people hate it like some of the fans just think it takes up too much time and it's silly but for the people that have gotten to experience it it's you know obviously extremely special and i understand why they do it the thing that really pisses people off is <laughs> is the kids during waiting on a sunny day. Yes. I think that's a function of, um, of going to too many shows that that makes people mad. If you're, if you're at one show, it's cute. I guess if you're at 25 shows over a three month period, it's just irritating because you know, yeah. and, and, but Bruce loves kids. He has a real thing. Well, 
it's like be- different facial expressions when he's in the presence of kids. I believe my theory is he's ready to be a grandfather. That's probably true. And so that's why he gets a kick out of that, that he does that. Um, now, um, and gosh, this, I can't, I wish I could remember who wrote this, but someone had said that um, this was before the kids were singing and waiting on a sunny day, but someone said, we might as it, it's clear that Bruce loves singing this song. So we fans need to get used to hearing this song. And that was waiting on a sunny day. Um, it is, I, it always makes me smile when I hear it. Um, it doesn't bother me, the kid. Um, I sometimes feel bad for the child because, you know, you, you can tell. They're a pawn. Yeah, that their parent has forced them versus someone who really does, you know, that, you know, there are young kids who adore, you know, Bruce that because yeah. their parents do and they're natural hams and so they want to do this. Um, yeah. The only thing I ever think about during Dancing in the Dark, and it doesn't bother me, um, you know, sometimes I'm impressed by the people who go on stage, like if it's a couple of sisters or, mm-hmm. you know, when there's a funny sign, I'll get a pick out of it. I mm-hmm. love when, um, you know, Nick, the Philly Elvis asked, can I dance with Susie? Yeah. You know, and then um, Sarah Goodwin who wrote the great book beyond the palace, you know, she had a sign. Can I dance with Jake? But I always think that Jake is thinking, because when they go into the sax solo and Bruce is starting to (laughs) look on and off, like, I like, I sometimes Jake is thinking, all right, Bruce, hurry up. Let's pick someone. Let's get the dance over, you know, because sometimes it takes a long time for him to figure out who he's going to bring on stage. And then they got to dance. And I always just feel sorry for Jake. Like Jake's like, okay, come on, come on. No, I know it's, Mm -hmm. it's long. Yes. Yeah. So, but I try not to, I mean, that's not a song that, um, bothers me in and of itself so right you know i'm just you know bopping along or whatever during it dancing in the dark i just want it to be over because i have a real issue with the rigidity of his encores in the last several tours i really 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 wanted to mix it up more and um dancing in the dark has become like a centerpiece of the Encore, and by that time, you know, we're a bunch of old people down there in the pit, and I've been standing for however many hours. Yes. <laughs> this sounds like you know a white person problem if there ever was one, but yes. it's like I want to know if you're going to pull out anything unusual next. I just need this to move on a little mm-hmm. quicker. Yeah, I, wrong, uh, Jesse? Is no, I, I understand that? what you're saying. That's why I don't go to the pit because I know I just don't have the. St- stanima for it um i don't know where i get it yeah i find it when a tour mm-hmm. starts every every tour that started since the reunion tour i'm like where am i going to come up with this energy and then you know, i have now my son chris brought up and um i've brought this up before in the podcast but he um you know he went to his first show in oklahoma city 
and during the river tour and he we're driving home and I hit the app on my phone that'll record and Uh so we're talking about the concert and he said what's up with shout dad like is this an eighth grade junior high dance like why why is he of all the songs he's playing why is he playing shout and I'm like he likes to play it you know like yeah that bothered because it's so old school yeah and I've often thought and we made this joke um uh, my friend Terry Smith, who does the Music Talks podcast, was talking, and we his wife made the joke that um, he was saying that in the he thinks that Letter to You, if you take the three older songs out of it, it's a stronger album. Okay, and oh my God, and you know, and his wife's like, wow. if only just how successful Bruce would have been if he'd had you doing his career instead of John Landau. Right. And Terry, you know, said, yes, I'll accept that. And he and I talked the same thing, right? Like I would, instead of doing, um, shout, I would do a rotation. If you want to do a oldie as your encore, um, you know, I would do, not necessarily the Detroit medley, but, um, you know, some, a twist and shout or, um, you know, that was, that you know, has been that in that slot. Yeah, right. And, uh, you know, just other songs that would be fun to do if he wanted to do an encore, but he yeah, loves shout. He did that, you know, the song seven nights to rock, which I'd never yeah. knew before. That was that song back then. <sighs> Yeah, and um, I love that song. I don't. I I think that that's that song slot, whether it's Twist and Shout, Shout, Seven Nights to Rock, or whatever it is, used to be sometimes Ramrod, which is an awfully fun song live. Um, I think he thinks that's that's what you play when you blow on the roof off. You know, that's the one that like everybody knows, and it's the crowning moment of the evening. Mm-hmm. Um, not, I don't, I think the the audience use old enough where we experience it that way, as opposed to your son who might yeah. be like, you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> like he well, thinks it's like Bill Haley in the, yeah. Bill Haley in the comments. You know? He enjoyed that. Um, I used to like um, when American land was one of the last songs. I thought that was a oh, great I know. song. I, I know, I that, you know. Yeah, yeah, and that's got uh, that's fun to sing or try to sing. Yes, it's a hard song to sing. Um, it is hard to sing. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but that 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 was his song, and it was big. I mean, Land yeah. of Hope and Dreams closed the uh, reunion show, reunion yeah. tour shows, and that was sort of you know um, a revelation. Uh, it was a new song. It was yeah. big. It was a train song. It was. It had you know echoes of a lot of songs, traditional yes. songs, and but he made it all its own. I was. I love the live version more than I like the version that they laid down yeah. on the record. The the tempo of the one on the record is a little too rushed. Something mm-hmm. about it um, that irks me. So in your sense. Yeah. Every time. <laughs> I've been lucky enough to hear Land of Hope and Dreams live. I, 
I get choked up, wow. you know, I, because I just love that song. It is, yeah. if I, it and better days are the two songs that, um, I will pick as one or two of my favorite Bruce songs. And, Everybody's um, audience puts up their hand for faith will be rewarded. Yes. You know, yeah. that's another moment of like and, community and getting it. Yeah. And, and one of the things I loved about it, um, in not always, but it feels like he would, they'd start the introduction and he would always say, and this is land of hope and dreams. Like, because he doesn't say, and this is Badlands, or this no, is, no. He said it. Yes. He meant, he, meant the, he meant in the physical sense of where we were in the moment. Yes. Together in that venue. And this is the name of the song I'm about to play. I think you I, are absolutely right. I've never thought of it that way, but I think that is exactly, absolutely perfect. And then there was, there's that pause you know, before the last um, bopping, mm -hmm. he says, let me see your hands. Yeah. And it's just something we all do together. Yeah. You know, and again, it's just, um, it's just a wonderful song. And it's so perfect for every moment. It's going to, going to be around forever. Yeah, I think so too. And I was in some show that was so, it was, I, I don't know where I was. Um, you know, one of those Midwestern states, one of them rectangular states, yes. Jesse. I don't know which one I was in. I get it. <laughs> um, but um, the crowd was not what I had, um, was used to, and I was in a seat. And I just went up to the exit and um, said to the usher, I, is it okay if I stand here and just bop a little? Because mm. nobody in my section wants to stand up. And she's like, Absolutely. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah, she's, she probably, you know, she sees everybody, all every act come through, and she, who knows what she liked, but I think yeah. she totally saw, like, this woman's mm -hmm. in need of of more than what she's yeah. needing right now of her section. And that, and during Land of Hope and Dreams, I just remember, like, my, my best experience with that song because I was just free to, you know, just yeah. permission to be myself with it right at the moment. Yeah. 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 So. That's one of the hard things that shows for me or for everybody really with the artist that is most important to them is the talking that goes on around. I've yeah. never ever gotten used to that. You know, um, there was a wonderful place in New Orleans Um where um, it the there was it was an Irish pub that was in the quarter, mm -hmm. and uh, it was called O'Flaherty's, and Danny O'Flaherty was the owner, and he, um, and there was two parts of the bar. You walked in, and there was kind of an entryway, and if you went straight through, there was a courtyard, mm -hmm. and then. To the left, you went through a door and there was a traditional bar mm -hmm. and an Irish pub bar. Mm -hmm. and then to the right, there was this huge sign, uh, Mara, that said, um, you know, the it talked about the tradition of storytelling and music mm. and how they were 
these minstrels were treated um, like visiting dignitaries. Hmm. And when they performed, no one would speak. And so in this room, this is a listening room. And there we will, we do not allow talk during the, during the performances. And, um, and it, you'd go there and, and they allowed, um, they'd allow our son in, you know, even, you know, cause it was more of a music room than a bar. So it was one of the few places under age he could go. Right. Yeah. We have that and, issue here too. Yeah. And so they'd have Guinness. So my wife would get a Guinness. I would get a diet Coke. My son would get a Coke and, um, and Danny would just play. Mm-hmm. And there, no one talked during the songs. Um, and, and it was just, and, and I think about that often, especially when I'm in a smaller club, you know, yeah. seeing a small venue. Like I, I didn't get to see, um, Jake did not tour in Dallas, but like I went and saw Niels in his mm-hmm. acoustical show, you know, and, and the audience was pretty well behaved, but it still was like, okay, there shouldn't mm-hmm. be talking. Yeah, shouldn't be talking. I went to um, went to a very small show that Alicia Witt, the actress who's on a lot of Hallmark movies, you mm-hmm. know, um, and she took over for Lori Loughlin. Uh, no, no, this is uh, <laughs> she did that, and she was in this very small club, and it was just her, and she had a keyboardist, and. No, she played the guitar. She played the keyboard, and I think she had a guy playing guitar. It may have just been her. And um, a couple in front of me were talking while she was singing. And I, I, I finally said, excuse me, you know, excuse me. And they looked. They were offended. I even told them. But I was like, you know, I, I'm, I'm tired of, of them trying to talk while she's singing. I, yeah, I mean, it shouldn't take more than one tap on the shoulder. If they were on a first date or something, you yes. just go in the other part of the bar. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's that's it. I mean, if you, when you're there to enjoy the music, I, I'm right there with you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is there any, when they tour again? Mm-hmm. Is there any song you've not heard live that you're still chasing? And I, not Western Stars and certainly not Letter to You, but uh, I know we'd love to hear anything from them. But is there something you've been chasing? Well, I, I, may, I meant to mention it, but if I didn't, the song I want to hear is this outtake from the river um, called Stray Bullet. Okay, yes. Yeah really creepy song mm-hmm. um i don't think he'll ever do it yeah if he tours acoustically he might yeah so that makes me kind of wish for that mm-hmm. um <laughs> yeah if he has two tours in him yes exactly we want a couple tours. yes yep. and one east street band yeah all right what have i not asked you that i should have now that we've done this two times is know. there anything um i don't think so but i did want to tell you that um and this sounds self-aggrandizing but i wrote a an academic paper about Bruce springsteen yes yes talk to me about that for the first ever 
Bruce Springsteen Conference, the Glory Day Symposium. Mm-hmm. It was in 2007 at Monmouth University in New Jersey. Yes. And by my friend Mark Bernhardt, who was like a friend of mine from City Planning World, who happened to be a massive Bruce fan and a conference organizer. So that was cool. Yeah. And I submitted this um, paper. I, it, it's a paper about um, his use of geography and sense of place in his music. And so I, I keyed in on phrases like over the rise and, um, and you know, like the atmospherics of certain um, songs related to, you know, the positive or negative feelings that are, they're supposed to evoke. And it was really cool. It was a lot, it was a really, it was like a, a labor of love thought exercise that I went through to write this paper. And I did, you know, I searched lyrics for things that recurred words that would recur and how he used different types of geographic terms. And I, you know, when you ask me about what drew me to the music and what, what, you know, obviously keeps me going back, I think that's part of it is the sense of place that he creates and the, the scene continuity where everybody, you could never even have to go to Asbury park to have a feeling about what it was like there back in the sure. day. And, um, uh, the, also the characters and where they live and the types of houses that they live in and things like that. Just the imagery that that the um, lyrics build and have built throughout over time. Um, that's something that's really important to me and I, I feel strongly about it as a person who is obsessed with maps. And- yeah, did you um, and, and so you presented the paper? I did, I presented the paper I was on a panel with several other people. There were there were many categories. There's people who have um, a lot to say about Bruce and theology, and Bruce and um, the econ- not the economy but economics and um, a lot of other really esoteric subjects that I was really impressed that people, you know, in whatever wherever they come to him from in their professional or academic life they could draw upon his work uh-huh. and put it in some context that makes sense to them and then share it with other people like me that wouldn't know anything about wow um, yeah science or whatever uh-huh. so it was really fun and there's been two more conferences um that i went to the the second one and didn't just an update of my geography paper because there were like three more records that had come out since then yes <laughs> uh, so yeah but i think that the like the the motif overall which is such a a strong element in his music and and completely foreign to me as in my life experience um was really fun to explore i bet you know how people love how when he comes he mentions their town like you know what it is he they go cuckoo yeah it's sort of uh uh it relates that way yeah, one of my disappointments, and, you know, this is definitely, as they say, first world problems. Um, I went down to Houston for, um, this was in the High Hopes tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was playing in Houston, and they were supposed to open with This Is Your Sword, which is a song that I really like off High Hopes and I wanted to hear live. And... Um, and that was according to the set list. That's was the song they were going to open with. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tom Morella 
supposedly yeah. reached over and said, hey, we're in Houston. And so Bruce scratched out and did seeds because it says oh. Houston. And I'm like, no, no, which was funny because last time I was in Houston, he played seeds as well. Oh, so I was like, no, no, I wanted this is your sword, but I'm just being greedy. I know. Well, that would be, and then that that could be your song. That yes, is one of the is songs. Is that one of the songs you're taking? Yes, it is. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So and now we have now we have this many more. We can just hope, right? We can hope. Because yeah. I there there are so many I'd love to hear, you know I yeah because you're kind of new to this Jesse yes I am yes I, I yes I am You've compared been to you down this road for forty plus years and you're you're this yeah. young whippersnapper I am a young whippersnapper you're right absolutely so yeah I I'm love still your, a, I love your Bruce origin story though I think it's really it's awesome and I and I I I wondered about how he has built an audience in the 20 years since the reunion tour. Yes. And, you know, some young fans, like in their 20s and 30s, it's very interesting to me. And and it makes him as happy as a clam. I think it does. New faces. And just to know that they're, he's expanding his reach is really cool. Absolutely it is. Yeah. Um, this has been wonderful. Thank you again for joining me a second time. Um, I appreciate Call you. Call me if you ever need to talk to a nerd again. Well, I will. Um, if someone wants to reach you, what's the best way? Um, I'm findable on Facebook, and I don't. I'm not kind of. I'm kind of defined on Instagram, but find me on Facebook or Morris Maria. That's M A R Y A at Gmail dot com. Okay. I live in suburban Chicago, and I don't try to hide. Okay. I tell stories. Very nice. I would nice. pay for a living, but nobody pays me. I understand. No. Yes. Yeah, yeah I've got, uh, I, I, I have a website in progress, and I have a lot of stories. And I almost always mention Bruce in my story. So Good. Awesomely. Well, when you're ready to uh, make the website go live, we'll have to have you on again. Yeah. I'll help promote it. Thank you. That yeah. could be a short um, visit. Yes, that's okay. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. You. Listeners. Can I address your week? Listeners, you take care of yourself. Remember to social distance. Remember to wash your hands. Uh, wear an effing mask. And let's yeah. be good to each other because, you know, we need it. It's been a rough year. And for now, thank you, and we'll talk to you soon. Doing a podcast at times can be a one-way conversation, and I hate that. So please let me know what you like and don't like about the work I'm doing. You can reach the podcast via email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. The show is on Twitter, at setlustingbruce, and my personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. We have a website, www.setlustingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other Springsteen podcasts, as well as other music-themed podcasts. We have a page devoted to our own SLB All-Star Band. These are guests who have been on the podcast more than three times. There is a link to our store where you can purchase Set Lessing Brew shirts as well as a Mary Question t-shirt. There is a link to our Patreon page where you can sign up to help support the podcast financially. We have different levels and different rewards based on your support. If you don't have any extra cash, 
and right now who does, you can support the podcast by subscribing via your favorite podcast player and leaving us a review. The more reviews we have, the easier it is for people to find us. And please tell a friend about the podcast, especially if they love Bruce or music, because it will make a difference. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, said Listing Bruce. Set Listing Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.